This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Hump Day and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus. Busy, busy show today. Lots to get to as we count down to the Banjo Bowl and, of course, NFL kickoff this weekend. Tomorrow night, it's the Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams, hosting the Super Bowl favorites, the Buffalo Bills, and then a full slate of games on Sunday, including Vikings-Packers to get things going. And I know there's a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans around here that are pretty fired up about the season. We're fired up to have the Purple Insider himself, Matthew Collar, join us a little bit later on in the program to preview the upcoming season for the Purple People Eaters. Um, But of course, we're going to focus in on lots of local content and some of the bigger stories that have broken today. Massive contract for Tim Stutzel, Garrett Marino gone, and of course... Our Winnipeg Gold Eyes rocking the jersey today, folks. Big playoff game tonight against the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. We'll chop that up with Michael Remus. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun is going to jump on first. And then our weekly visit with Mike McIntyre coming up before we head down south and get ready for Viking season with Matthew Collar. A big shout-out to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including... Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp, Cool Bet Canada, Vita Health, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, The Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboy Downs, and of course, Canadian Club Whiskey. Let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. What's going on, my friend? Feeling good, Huss. Uh, my son's first day of uh, back at daycare, so uh, I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm pumped. Makes my life a lot easier. Drop the you ball now off. understand why parents are just so fired up to get into yes. into September. So, it's, uh, it, it must be a very different grind come September from the chaos of July and August. And I mean, you just got a little guy. I can't imagine what it's like when. I don't know. You get into six, seven, eight, nine. There's a million things going on. Although. I'm sure it's just as busy uh, busy now. Well, we've got a pretty busy sports uh, calendar coming up, but uh, uh, nice to get a little bit more peace and quiet, I guess, during the day to to, uh, to do it. And, oh, and by the way, I do see you're rocking the old school Gold Eyes hat today. A little support for the boys as they kick off the uh, the series tonight at 6.30 down at Shaw Park. Yeah, you had your jersey on, so I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here. So I put on my uh, Gold Eyes uh, fish hat, 1994. Uh, logo. I feel like I'm in Winnipeg Stadium here uh, wearing this thing, but uh, no, it's Shaw Park tonight, 6.30 against the arch rival uh, Fargo, uh, what, Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. Uh, Doug Simonick still around? No, Simi. Simi's, uh, I believe, long gone, uh, but a legend, certainly, in American yes. Association circles or of the course. former Northern League. Um, and you know, hey, uh, anyways, like looking forward to that game tonight. I hope many people will be able to get out there. It's an absolutely gorgeous day, a perfect day for baseball. Uh, and the weather is really cooperating this week for a big sports week, week in Winnipeg with the Gold Eyes playing their playoff game tonight. And of course, the Banjo Bowl on Saturday afternoon. And Dustin Nielsen and I just finished picking the CFL games for the weekend in the latest edition of the Lock Shop. 
And during the show, he said, hey, check the weather, by the way. 22 degrees and sunny. It looks like it is going to be an absolutely glorious weekend and a perfect atmosphere for the biggest, rowdiest regular season game of the season here in the peg. Oh, yes. I, okay. I remember one banjo bowl. I went, I don't even know if I can describe on this show what happened, but I did. It was at Winnipeg Stadium. I bought tickets from a guy outside, you know, in Section S. I'll never forget that experience. Like Section S for the Banjo Bowl, that is uh, that's I, expert level. Do you want me to say? I don't think I can say what, what <laughs> happened here. Like, Well, you pretty much teased it pretty I'll hard. Say, I mean, someone, you had, it if you... <laughs> someone had too much to drink in front of me, got sick, and you know when you when that happens, you think okay, I'll go to the washroom and wash it off. Ah, eh, they just dumped a little beer on their arm. It's fine. <laughs> nothing rinses off. Uh, you know, rent, nothing cleans you off like dumping a beer on your arm. It's not gonna make you st even stickier. So no, I'll harm, never no forget foul. witnessing that. I'll never forget it. It's scarred into my memory. Oh. Uh. Well, you know what? The uh, Section S vets have seen it all for sure. Um, yeah. The originating point of the beer snake, of course, uh, and uh, some of the uh, the rowdier days back in the old stadium. And now the rowdiest spot in the stadium is in that north end zone. And I'm really pumped. I think the Bombers, well, and as I said, we're going to talk about this with some guests. Ed Tate will join us on, uh, on Friday's show. And tomorrow we'll have Nick Dembski a guy that's been on both sides of this great rivalry and, of course, had a huge part in the big comeback win last weekend at the Labor Day Classic at Mosaic Field. Nick Dembskis will join us tomorrow on the program. We're really looking forward to having him come on as we get to, get to, get to it. Um, You know, as far as, and we'll break down the game and have much more on the actual game going forward, but Remo, yesterday, um, the big topic on the program was what was up with Garrett Marino and, you know, the, the big news late, yesterday after we finished the show that Garrett Marino has been released by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, that's sort of been the talk of the Canadian Football League over the last 12, 14 hours. Uh, and it's a perfect transition to our why not question of the day today uh, for our friends at Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGillivray and online at not.ca. Will Garrett Marino play again in the Canadian Football League. And I'm actually going to pose the why not question just broadly, including in the future, um, but as well as this season. And, you know, an interesting note coming out of, you know, the news yesterday, and Dave Naylor tweeted this out, hearing a memo has gone out from CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi regarding Garrett Marino, reminding teams that he can refuse to register any player contract for any reason deemed valid. Presumably, the valid reason in this instance would be player safety. So we had planned on this topic being the why not question of the day before this news came out in the last hour from Dave Naylor. But it certainly would seem like Randy Ambrosi would prefer that Garrett Marino is far, far away from the three down game for the foreseeable future. Whether that changes going into next season, we'll see. But I know there was a lot of people that thought immediately that Garrett Marino would be getting a call from Chris Jones, of all people, from the Edmonton Elks to bring him to Northern Alberta. Yeah, that was the big thing we were saying, uh, you and I, via text message. Oh, yeah, Chris Jones is for sure picking this guy up. Um, I saw a tweet from Nick Lewis, the, uh, Hall, of, you know, the Hall of Fame uh, legendary receiver, 
And he was saying, and I kind of agreed with this, I don't like the fact that the Rough Riders cut Marino without the league stepping in. Is he suspended from other teams? Is it, is it just backlash that a team gets for signing him? Um, he says he has to be a good player if he's been starting for multiple years. Who wins and who loses? And I kind of, I got like, why did they cut him? They were just sick of dealing with his stuff. Seemed like he was, again, a good player for them. But I think the league's got to kind of step in here and put a stand and say, hey, we're suspending this guy. It's just so vague and they're just leaving it up, leaving it up to the teams. But it sounds like with this memo, they kind of have suspended him without actually suspending him. So if, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to suspend him, just come out and say it. Or kind of, I think they're just leaving it up to the teams to make their own decision on on this guy. Well, I mean, it's way better for the league if they don't just don't have to deal with it. And, you know, like we said yesterday on the program, the actual act of that cheap shot on Zach Caleros was in a vacuum, probably not suspension worthy. Um, you know, maybe some sort of supplemental discipline, maybe maybe a fine. Like Marino has been fined in another uh, instance since he came back from his four-game suspension. Um, but I do think that, you know, Randy Ambrosi in his situation, you know, I guess could have made some sort of a suspension and could maybe can tell the teams, hey, if you sign this guy, he's going to be suspended. Um, but the best course of action was Saskatchewan cutting ties with these guys and with this guy and not dealing with it anymore. And if you're asking to your question about why this happened now, um, I think it was pretty clear that he was on incredibly thin ice with the organization. I mean, it had been embarrassing for Saskatchewan. Many people thought that after what happened with Jeremiah Masoli, they should have cut him at that point. Um, he got an incredibly long for football standards uh, suspension of four games and came back, got fined, and then after the game had the audacity to tweet out that he played in three games and you know hadn't been flagged since then. Well, He'd been fined for something that wasn't called, and certainly I think that might have been coming around the pipe for what happened in the second half off that bomber handoff with a hit on Zach Calero. So, um, listen, he is a guy that the CFL does not need, um, and, and I think that if you ask most of the players in the league, um, they don't want a cheap shot artist like that that's going out and trying to injure guys. So, Listen, I think the league's in a better spot right now without him there. It will be interesting to see how that affects Saskatchewan because he was a big part of a, a pretty legitimate front for the Saskatchewan defense. Uh, but moving forward, Saskatchewan as an organization, I think, is better off without the guy, even though there might be a little bit of a, a setback on the field. Um, it was a terrible example. They look bad standing by the guy, especially when you consider the accusations of racial comments in addition to the way he behaved after knocking Jeremiah Masoli out for the majority of the season. Um, so the, the most of the CFL is saying good riddance to Garrett Marino, especially here in Winnipeg. And Considering the close call with Zach Kolaris in the Banjo Bowl, uh, I think for the league and certainly for the Bombers, it's good that you won't have to worry about that guy coming up on Saturday afternoon at the big game. Part of me, Huss, was kind of disappointed that he's not going to be there because I was looking forward to oh. what kind of reception <laughs> he was going to get from all the fans. Uh, couldn't they wait till after the game? We already got one tweet here from Justin who had a sign ready to go saying the only good Marino was Dan Marino. <laughs> like, uh, I guess you just have to give it to the rest of the Riders team all game. I was hoping for some specific Marino-related chants, but 
we can still get those. Maybe it won't have the same impact. I'm not sure what the crowd is going to have cooked up for Saturday afternoon. Maybe there's maybe there'll be a Where's Marino chant or something oh, like oh, that. Oh, Where's Mar- I like that. Where's Marino? Oh, I I like that. Oh, that's that's good. I, Section maybe- one forty one. You know what to do. We've got some more ideas for you. We can get you ready for uh, for the action. Uh, you know, on Saturday afternoon. So no Garrett Marino. Interested in your thoughts on our why not question of the day for not AutoCorp? Hit us up in the chat, or if you're watching afterwards, give us leave a comment on the YouTube. Uh, on the YouTube page for today's episode. Um, will we see Garrett Marino again in the Canadian Football League? I mean, the guy's absolutely capable of playing in this league at this level. Um, but, you know, with the rap sheet like he has acquired, especially this year, and frankly, the disrepute he's brought on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the only team I could think that would be in a situation that might consider giving this guy another chance is the Edmonton Elks and Chris Jones. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but interesting in your thoughts. Hit us up in the chat as well as in the YouTube comments. Uh, we'll get back to the Banjo Bowl a little bit later, Reem, uh, with Scott as well as with Mike. But let's talk about the big hockey story today. Still, I mean, quiet here in Winnipeg, a fan fest information, uh, season ticket holders opportunity to get single game tickets coming up. I mean, some of the more clerical things on the business side happening for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I know we're looking to hoping to have Sam Gagne in the next little bit, obviously with the late signing, getting his family here, a busy week for Sam. Uh, but we will start talking to more jet players in advance, trying to bring some positive vibes up heading into pra- a training camp. Uh, but the positive vibes in Ottawa have been happening all summer long, starting with the Alex Debrinkat deal being followed up with Claude Giroux signing as a free agent, and now one of their young stars, Remo, locked up for a massive, massive extension. Eight years for Tim Stutzler, the young German at 8.35 AAV. Going to be a very rich young man, and this is a real bet on the future. We've seen deals like this happen before. Leon Dreisaitl, a perfect example, speaking of Germans that signed eight-year extensions out of their ELC. And uh, that deal's proven to be an incredible value based on his production. There is some risk involved in this, but very different than signing a 29 or 30-year-old player like we've seen recently to eight, seven, or eight-year extensions. This is, this is a deal that basically locks up Tim Stutzel's prime in the nation's capital. Yeah, I really like this move, and I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of these Jack Hughes Signed a big contract. This one kicks in after this year. So he's still on his his ELC. And in the coming years, they've got about like $3 million in buyouts. Uh, I think Bobby Ryan, Phaneuf. So they'll have some more cap space. The cap is going to go up. Um, and I, I think if you can lock up a, a guy who's 20 years old, coming off a 60-point season, you're betting that he's going to maybe go up to 80 points. Or 90 points, and he's going to fulfill this contract. And instead of have, you know signing, as you said, a 29-year-old guy, well, maybe you're overpaying him at the end for what he's done in the past. Here you're betting on the future and maybe overpaying a bit early, and you hope that he matures. And for Stutzla, I mean, if someone offers you, um, you know, over just over eight million AAV, and you're 20 years old, it's really hard to turn that down. So, I this could be a value for Ottawa. I mean, he's a top pick, a dynamic player. The team is looking much better. He's going to have better line mates. So I, I think this is a great contract, and I think we're going to be seeing 
more and more of these. Baseball has done this for a while, where you lock up the guy very early. And because and we've seen, again, in hockey, just signing free agents uh, when they're able to get to free agency, 29. They're on the downside of their career. You want to give them the money or on the upside. It used to be as you'd try to squeeze RFAs and you'd say, you haven't done anything. You haven't earned this money. I'm going to I'm going to make you make you hold out and I think we're not doing that now because you've realized it's you're better off paying these guys for future performance than paying people for past performance. So well, uh, and, well, and, well done. Yeah, listen, Pierre Dorian, uh, you know, he has a contender for GM of the summer in Brad Treleving with the way he made chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? Um but I mean, the offseason for the Ottawa Senators has been absolutely tremendous. And um, our friend Alex, who had been replacing you and uh, helping out to get the show on while you were on holidays, is, of course, in Ottawa. And it was funny talking to him off air about just the uh, level of excitement for a team that really, since they were a goal away from making the cup final, has essentially been in free fall and has been a permanent resident of the basement of the National Hockey League. So... Um, you know, exciting times for the Sens and part of sucking is you get some high draft picks, but you got to make sure you make the most out of them. And listen, they got Thomas Shabbat signed on the long-term deal. They got Brady Kachuk signed to a long-term deal. And now Tim Stutzla is there. And, you know, in some ways it sort of reminds me of, you know, the Jets of a few years ago. And this deal is sort of a bet on the future, much like the Winnipeg Jets did with the Mark Shifley contract. Now that was a number of years back. He's got two years left on that eight-year extension that he signed. Um, but we're essentially talking about inflation uh, because if you look at Mark Shifley coming out of that 2015-16 season, uh, he had 29 goals, 61 points. I can't remember whether that was signed with a year left on his deal, um, you know, whether that was after 2015, but essentially a 49-point season and then 71 games, 61 points, you know, a real solid year. And, you know, they... Uh, they gave him the money, they gave him the term, and it's ended up being, at least value-wise in most seasons, uh, a great deal for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's, you know, been another uh, you know, big topic around Mark Shifley for the last number of years as to what he's been getting paid as opposed to what his offensive production has been. Um, but as far as Ottawa, I mean, for small market Canadian teams like Ottawa and like Winnipeg, I mean, you need to hit on your picks and you need to make sure they're part of your organization for long-term. And uh, man, Pierre Dorian's done an amazing job of that, despite how dreadful things have been in Ottawa the last few years. And I think the future's as bright there as it's been in a really long time. Yeah, Josh Norris got the big extension. Oh, Norris, of course. And Drake Batherson as well. They have these guys locked up. Matthew Joseph, uh, as you said, Thomas Shabbat earlier, that was before. They just signed Eric Brandstrom earlier this week, one year, 900 k Traded for Cam Talbot, got rid of uh, the Matt Murray contract. They've done a lot of work here. Oh, yeah, signed Claude Giroux and acquired Alex Brinkett, as, as you said. Uh, and how about this? For a team, you know, when a team puts in an effort and tries to win and makes moves, you know what happens to ticket sales? Us? Well, the Senators holding a kickoff event today. Ian Mendez reporting that Senators President Anthony LeBlanc says, Season ticket sales up 60% from the, where they were in 2019. So the fans, very excited. And I don't know if you've seen this from the players. The players, very excited too. Two weeks before training campers is supposed to open, they're there. They're practicing. They're ready. Watch out uh, for the Sens. And 
Uh, just here quickly, important date this season, the NHL putting this out. Huss, keep in mind. Uh, training camp the week of September 19, preseason September 24, and season opener October 11. Don't forget the Jets and the Oilers and the Young Stars on September 16. So very close. Very close. Yes, to I, the I know you're fired season. up for the big Young Stars tournament coming up. Back. back out in Penticton. Yeah. Back. You know, I always loved I always loved that tournament, um, you know, not because we were really, really even watching the games. I mean, but uh, I just remember those were the first broadcasts that we would had on the old station. And, of mm-hmm. course, Dennis spent a good portion of his time out in B.C. in the summer. And sort of the first sign that the season was here was hearing Dennis call those games from Penticton. And, you know, especially early on when you know, the excitement of the team being back and being back in the NHL was so incredible. I mean, uh, the, the fever for even those rookie showcase games was uh, was over the top here in Winnipeg. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's a lot of young players, I think, that'll be coming to camp. Chaz Lucius, now that he's signed, see what he looks like, um, as well as some of the younger. Now, I can't imagine that like a David Gustafson or Morgan Barron, some of the guys that are sort of somewhat penciled in for spots right now on the roster and in the top 12, to be frank, uh, based on, you know, the current composition of the, uh, of the Jets contracts will be playing. Uh, but a number of younger players, recent draft picks and recent signees that, you know, will get a chance to show what they can do before rookie camp and main camp here in Winnipeg. So uh, Ottawa's fired up. Tim Stutzel's getting paid and, I, I don't know. Are, are they still the off-season champs? Uh, I mean, Brad Treleving's made a big, big run at this summer's banner. But I don't know. Now that this is done as well, when you look at all of the things, um, I think I still might give the nod to to Pierre Dorian because of how far their team has seemingly come from as far as Brad Treleving, who, credit to him, already built a great team, salvaging um, you know, salvaging the summer in one of the most incredible ways, considering the hand that he was dealt by his two top stars in Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, we have a poll out, and our last poll was Garrett Marino. A lot of, I think it was like 77% people said who voted said he sh- won't play in the CFL again. But See this ya. poll, us, I don't know if people are agreeing with you. Um, 53% of people who are responding saying Calgary Flames are the offseason champions instead of the Ottawa Senators, who is the other option. I think you got to go Pierre Doria, and he's really flipped the switch on this team. Their upstart team signed players to long-term deals. He acquired Alex DeBrincat, uh, signed Claude Giroux. Um, I think they've done a lot, you know, done the goalie swap, getting rid of Matt Murray. I really like what Ottawa's done, so I'm going to vote for well, Ottawa. However... I think you got to give bonus points to Brad Treleving. People thought Calgary was screwed. So. They lost Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, so what? They replaced him, signed Nazem Kadri, and then did the trade, uh, the Kachuk trade. You thought, well, this guy's going to walk in a year, turn him into Huberto, who you then signed to a long-term deal, and Mackenzie Weger. So I really like uh, Calgary. But I think the volume of moves here from Ottawa locking up guys and acquiring players and turning them from, you know, a not playoff team to maybe playoff contender. I'm going with here, Doria. Well, here's another question for you. Uh, and for people in the chat, we'll, we'll do, we'll double up on our why not question of the day. Uh, who would you rather have? Whose roster would you rather have right now? Contracts and all. 
Would you rather be Ottawa right now? Ottawa. Or would you rather be Calgary? Ooh, that is tough. I, I, I mean, it really is because Calgary is a team that will contend. But listen, they've given Huberto eight million or sorry, ten and a half million a year for eight years. Essentially, the Johnny Gaudreau offer he got. Um, you know, they've got obviously Mackenzie Weger. If they can't sign him, we'll see what happens. I mean, they have made those moves that and of course they've signed Nazem Kadri, but you know, you're talking about paying big money for players all through their 30s. And I mean, that comes with significant risk and significant downside on the end of the contracts. The thing that's so exciting about Ottawa is that all of those players you just mentioned, with the exception of Claude Giroux, are young players in their prime. And I'll tell you what, if things go well over the course of this season with the commitments they have from all those other players, I think they've got a good chance of keeping Alice DeBrincat if things go well. Um, if he's on a young, up-and-coming team that are having fun, that are winning games, that seems like they're going places, um, you know, if the money's there, why wouldn't you stay? And um, we've seen a number of Sens already make that choice. And I'll tell you what, listen, I know the Jets situation is very different right now. And yeah, I know there's some angst of moves that have and haven't been made. Um, but those things are going to come in Winnipeg. They're going to have to come. Um, the Sens were in a very, very different time, having bottomed out, having these young picks. But the time is now for the Sens to be competitive. And um, I think I would certainly take Ottawa looking ahead to the long term because of the young talent they have, as opposed to a team that certainly next year probably will be more competitive in the Calgary Flames. But I think long term, over the course of this next seven, eight years, We'll probably be talking about Ottawa as a contender in two, three, four more as a, maybe a legit Stanley Cup contender. And I think the Flames are going to be dealing with some of the decisions that they were really forced into making this summer. Yes, uh, I agree with you. I, I, I will. Sorry, I will say that for this year, I would rather be Calgary. However, as you said, Calgary, a lot of their key pieces, Kadri, Huberto, uh, who Mangiapane is 26, back on 33. Uh, Coleman, three. They got some long-term deals to guys who are over 27 years old. And uh, the defense, I like their defense. They're locked up. They do have the better goalie in Markstrom, but he's 32 and he's got four more years. So for this year, maybe the next, maybe the next two, possibly three, I would pick Calgary. They're also in the Western Conference, which is much worse than the East. Um, I think, what their division. Not that great, changes although, quickly, though. I mean, it, I don't think yeah. you can count on that so, for, the, the, for the time frame that we're talking yeah. about here. I, I think for maybe this year, next year, I'll pick Calgary. But after that, uh, I think Ottawa's very bright future. So I, I like what they've done. Uh, one other signing in uh, the National Hockey League today, and it wasn't maybe as big of a deal or as long-term of a deal as Timmy Stutzla in Ottawa, uh, but it was uh, the Montreal Canadiens who re-signed Kirby Dock to a four-year contract which is going to run through the 25-26 season, worth $13.45 million. So, you know, not quite $3.5 million a year for uh, for Doc, the former Blackhawk. Um, and he's intriguing. His entire situation's intriguing because we knew that, you know, there was a lot of talk about the Habs trying to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, and that was, you know, rumored to be the plan in and around the draft. That didn't happen. They pivoted and got Kirby Doc into the mix, and... Um, you know, I think Doc had a de uh, you know a depressing season last year, but everything about the Chicago Blackhawks was pretty depressing. 
you know, he's just going to a team that certainly doesn't have Stanley Cup aspirations right now. Uh, but I'm sure the idea of being around for four years with the Montreal Canadiens is that they're sort of going through now what the Ottawa Senators have been, that this could be a contending team towards the end of his contract and still short enough that if he does turn into the star that he was expected to become as the what third pick overall, um, he could be in line for a big payday in Montreal or elsewhere at the end of this deal. Yeah, Montreal's an interesting spot because they're over the salary cap and they're not projected to be very good. And they had to put Carey Price on off-season long-term injury list to fit all this stuff under the cap. I wonder if we're going to see some more moves from them. You got Brandon Gallagher, $6.5 million, 30 years old for the next couple seasons. Josh Anderson as well. Do they move on uh, from these guys and try to get something? Because, again, they're not trying to, trying to compete for a playoff spot uh, this year. They do have first overall pick, Yuri Slavkovsky. What kind of impact is he going to make? Um, I kind of like what, what they've done so far, but I, I wonder if they're going to make some, some more moves here. They're just they're up against the cap, and they're not a playoff team. I don't think that's a good recipe for success. <laughs> no, let's see. Uh, um, I, you know what? I mean, listen, if you could use your cap space, and Montreal is a team that's got a lot of money, if you can use your cap space to get yourselves uh, like they did with the Calgary Flames deal, bringing on Sean Monaghan, um, you know, another first round pick and some assets that'll help you in the future in the window that you think you can contend makes sense. And certainly we know the Habs are one of, if not the most well-supported team in the National Hockey League with the biggest rink. And I think Hab fans are smart enough to realize, you know, how this league works and the limitations of the salary cap and where they were picking first overall and not expecting a turnaround right now, but do expect that optimism and excitement going forward. Um you know, of course, taking it back to the Winnipeg Jets, not a lot to talk about. Of course, the Sam Gagne deal was signed at the end of last week on Friday. We'll uh, get the thoughts of Mike McIntyre and Scott Billick on Sam Gagne's deal, uh, his role with the Winnipeg Jets, um, as well as what may or may not happen heading into training camp uh, still to come. Um, we'll get Scott Billick on in just a minute. Uh, before we do that, I want to thank our... Great sponsors, including our newest sponsors, the gang over at Consolidated Supply. Um, you know Consolidated Supply, a long time known as Consolidated Turf and Supply, and they have been the experts working with golf courses and um, basically the most beautiful, luscious lawns in the province for a long time uh, with incredible irrigation programs. It can help you with DIY irrigation solutions if you're looking to get your lawn green and lush as possible or out at the cabin, unsure if your late lawn was watered, you can ask our pal Joe for Wi-Fi-enabled controllers to check in on your cell phone. Um, also great artificial turf options. If you do want to get that dream putting green in your backyard, you can head down and see Joe, who is a longtime listener and a WST guy down at the branch at 1395 Niagara Road East. Uh, but what you might not know about Consolidated Supply, they also got amazing selection of outdoor kitchen, uh, outdoor kitchens, as well as hot tubs. If you want to take that backyard and step it up to elite levels, whether it be with an outdoor kitchen, with a hot tub, or a putting green, something for the lawn, Consolidated Supply can help you with all of that. Give them a call at 470-3832. Talk to our guy Spicy Joe. And of course, if you have golf carts, they've been the golf cart leader. They do club cars for Manitoba. 
and Gene Turk there ready to help you out with that. Consolidated Supply is at 1395 Niagara Road East. They are open to the public. Pop down and tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. Um, our friends at Vita Health have had a great summer, but now it's time to get focused into fall. School is back. Many of you guys getting on a bit of a new program and a new routine after letting it go for the summer. And uh, Vita Health is the spot with uh, Manitoba's best selection of natural and organic groceries, not to mention supplements and beauty products, all at great prices. With a great, knowledgeable staff trained on these products to help you. And for those of you that are on the go, um, may I suggest popping in and checking the great grab-and-go deli they've got at Vita Health. Soups, sandwiches, salads, and more. Healthy, ready to go, incredibly delicious at all seven locations. Vita Health, helping Manitobans, empowering them to lead healthy lives for 85 years here in the province. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. Um, it was kind of funny, in the middle of the show... I lost Remus for a second yesterday. Why? Because he had to pop up and uh, say a quick hello to the Wallace and Wallace folks who were there taking care of a garage door issue. Now, they are we all know that they've been the fencing uh, specialists in Winnipeg for a long time, but they also are the leaders in all things garage doors, working with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world, with 161 styles of garage doors to choose from. There's definitely a style that's right for your home. And hey, despite supply chain issues, you can still get a, a garage door delivered and installed in less than four weeks, just as the uh, seasons turn coming up in a month or two. Find out more at wallacedoors.com. Give them a call or visit their showroom down on Lawson Road. And hey, a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake. Just a few couple more weeks in the fishing season but they're already planning for next year and i can tell you that if you are looking for an incredible getaway fly-in fishing trip or you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of winnipeg aikens lake is the spot and as great as the fishing is the hospitality and the people are that much better find out more online akenslake.com or check out pit Turan and the socials for aikens lake on twitter and or instagram all right, let's uh, let's fire it up with Scotty Billick. Mike McIntyre's coming up a little later on. And Viking fans, don't worry. We will have a Viking season preview with Matthew Collar a little bit later on. Uh, but let's bring Scotty Billick in to chop it up. Lots going on in the local scene. Goldeyes playoffs, Banjo Bowl coming up, and even a signing since we last spoke to Scott on the Winnipeg Jets. Billick, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, man. You guys can see me and hear me and everything. We're all we, good. We can see you, hear you, all, right, all good. You're uh, sounding great. Let me ask you. Um, uh, first of all, how was the how was the long weekend? What did you think of the uh, of the big game on Sunday? Uh, interesting game. Big comeback by the Bombers. Not a great start. Great second quarter, and then the defense and all the intangibles that makes the Winnipeg Blue Bombers champions seem to show up in the second half of that football game. Yeah, it seemed like a typical bomber game this year, right? Kind of a slow to the gate, kind of not. I mean, this time they kind of gave up points, which was one of the things that they haven't really done all season is uh, it, when they haven't played so well in the first half, they've, they've been able to just limit the points. They weren't able to do that, obviously, against Saskatchewan with their two quick touchdowns down 14 nothing. Um, but then, you know, in typical bomber fashion, they find a way. Uh, and that's what they did. I mean, I think the biggest thing for the Bombers there is their defense was getting so torched in that first half. 
uh, and they were able to turn it around. And and even when right in close to the end there, where it looked like it, it looked like Saskatchewan was going to take a lead again, you know, they, they they come up with the ball, and and that's just the way this is. This is a team that seems to just get it done every time they go out there. And there's a reason why they're 11 and one. And it's not because they're, I've, I've seen these, these complaints on Twitter. It's like, Oh, they're bad. And they're just, they're, they're the bat, the, the best team out of a bad league. But <laughs> the, the way that this, this, this team kind of wins and plays all the time, um, you know, I, and just being around the team, I mean, that's just, it's just so far from the truth. They're a great team. Sometimes they don't always put it together all at once, but when they do, that team is unstoppable, and and they've shown it this year. And, and you don't go eleven and one even in a bad league, um, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, and you don't beat Calgary three times. You don't, you know, you don't do all of these things uh, without having a good team with some good players. And and this team finds a way every single time, except for the one in in, in Montreal. And and you know, to be fair, that Montreal game was what it was: ten games straight. Uh, just a bad botched kick there, but you know what a day for Mark Leggio, right? I, I mean, I don't know what was better—the 55-yard field goal, which was <laughs> tremendous, or was it the, or was it the, 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 the little juke on 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 the on on the punt there, where I mean, what a move, right? I mean, what a presence. Barry of mind. Sanders, the Barry I, Sanders I, I, of punting, absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what else to say about that. It was it was just a brilliant move. And 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 it still got the punt off, and I think the punt went for like forty nine yards. Forty nine, like forty nine yarder. Yeah, and Scott, yarder, I mean, yeah, let's unreal. face it. I asked Westy about this yesterday, and him being the kicker, and I think thinking so much about the mental part of the game coming off that the gas the the gas kick at the end of uh, the the Montreal game, which cost the Bombers a win. Yeah, to come back, hit his longest career f- uh, field goal ever in that environment with the game on the line. No, Westy went with that, but I'm telling you right now, if he doesn't make that play at 17-7 down and Saskatchewan blocks that kick and potentially takes it into the house, I think we could be having a very, very different conversation right now. So it's true. We'll all remember the 55-yarder, obviously, because they put the winning points on the board, but that play by Mark Leggio was uh, as impactful as maybe any in getting yeah. the Bombers win. The second quarter turnaround was phenomenal. I mean, we're going to have Nick Dembski on the program tomorrow. I'm really looking yeah. forward to chatting with Nick about, you know, his return from injury and, you know, that play. And he obviously knows both catch. sides of that rivalry very yeah. well. I mean, the catch that he yeah. made and then the play of Dalton shown over and over again this year, we've seen it, this young rookie making plays. And, you know, they could not be uh, have given him more accolades for the awareness that he showed. An awareness of a veteran receiver to break off a post route, knowing that Zach was rolling out. And the minute yeah. Zach Caleros has time rolling to his right especially, Dalton Schoen gets open and it's often goes for six. And we saw that in that massive play to get them basically back to within striking distance on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, incredible. And it's one thing I was talking to the receivers coach with the Bombers about Dalton Schoen of you know several weeks ago, and it was just that like it's the it's the IQ of him. It's it's like he has all the skill, right? Um, and and he he can catch every ball and he can do all that stuff. But it's the IQ when you, you're watching your your quarterback kind of roll out, he's scrambling out of the pocket, and and to break off of the route. I believe it was, I think that one was a post route, and and. And just to break and see that and then find a way to do that. There was a play later in the game where 
another one of the bomb receivers, I think it was Rashid Bailey, didn't see that. Um, he didn't, you know, when 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 the play when the route was broken, he didn't make up for it and try and find a scramble option for for Zach Kalaros. And so, yeah, it was just it's it's just this team is so well oiled and and. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find, I mean, if we write about this team and we talk about this team and, and you try and find something uh, different to say about them every week, but it, it's difficult, right? Because they, they're just so good at the little things, the little, like the nuances of the game. And, and it's just a very well-oiled, well-run machine. And, and it, it, you, you can see, like, you know, it wasn't an easy start for Mike O'Shea in this league. Um, he took over a team that was very much in shambles. And, and there was many times where people were calling for his job over the years, same with Richie Hall and all those guys. But once they've got there, right, and you can see how it can take some time to make a team right. But this team is so well-respected, and it makes Mike O'Shea, and you know, credit, full credit to him, he looks brilliant out there with his coaching staff. Watching Buck Pierce call the game on offense, how quickly Buck Pierce has come into his own as a play caller um, on this team. We talk so much about the players all the time, and, I, I don't often think that the coaches always get the credit, and especially Buck Pierce. I think Buck Pierce has been absolutely brilliant at what he does for this team, and he rose through the ranks too in coaching. Once coaching the running backs, and then to the quarterbacks, and then he's the OC. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's just we're running out of words to kind of describe this Bomber team, and you know they're just they're they're they play so well, and I'm and glad, that's all you can really say. I'm so. glad you brought up Osh because I thought yeah. that. I, and listen, you know, we talk, listen, the guys won back-to-back championships. He is on the verge of, you know, getting History. into a very, very uh, elite pantheon of the best coaches ever results-wise. Yeah. But the game on Sunday was a perfect example of the difference between these two football teams. And, I mean, listen, I mean, I'll, I'll think I'd still probably say talent-wise, the Bombers, you know, are a bit more, but... It's the little things and the coaching decisions and the way that these teams are managed that manifested itself in the second half. I mean, you've got Mike O'Shea taking the wind in the fourth quarter, being alert <laughs> enough to call a timeout when we saw that the play clock was running down, doing yep. all those right things. And then on the other side of the football field, you've got Duke Williams taking <laughs> an incredibly costly penalty in freaking civvies. And Unreal. this has been, Unreal. you know, discipline. And, and listen, I'm not just picking on the riders because I said the same thing about the Ottawa Red Blacks in the first couple games of the season. Coaching mistakes. I mean, Lapa wasn't able to get the field goal kick out at the end of the first half. That was inexcusable. And some penalties that really cost them in game number two. I mean, those are the things that the Bombers just simply don't do. Other times do. And the Bombers make them pay. And so much of it goes back to the guy running the show in Mike O'Shea. Yeah, 100%. And and I think what you see, and Mike O'Shea plays this down because we ask him all the time, and we ask him, like, how important is it? Not even important, but just, like, everybody's on the same page in that team, right? Everybody truly does play for the guy next to him. We hear all this all the time, right? I mean, even at the end of the Jets season, right, the lack of respect or whatever, that sort of thing for the, the players next to you. But you look at the Bombers and, like, they're the gold standard in, like, professional sports. Not even just, like, the CFL or whatever, right? It's it's everywhere. I mean, this team is is so good at keeping their composure, their discipline. I mean, yeah, you know, you can go back to the Donald Rutledge offside penalty and all that stuff like that. But they don't take those, like, th- those really killer, like, like the Duke Williams, obviously, that one. 
I mean, it just like really bad. The unnecessary roughness call in that game, I believe that was on on Caleros there. Um, just things like that, like like there was, or maybe it was. I don't know. Edom didn't get called for that. He should have. Um, but regardless, well, and Marino, I mean, who we'll and, talk well, about, and Marino, yeah. Well, what what a joke. But anyways, yeah. Like just this this team is is so. It's it's just a fascinating team to watch just work every day because there's just never a guy on this team that ever seems kind of out of place or, or, or discontent or anything like that. It's just, it, it, it's, 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 it's really, it's just remarkable. And, and, you know, I don't know how else to put it. I, I, I enjoy watching it. I enjoy reporting on it because it's, it, you don't see this all the time. You don't see such a, a tight knit group that actually is tight knit. You don't see a well-coached team that actually, um, you know, exudes it in all facets of the game. And, and, and I think that's just how, how good this is. And I think if you're paying attention as a Bombers fan, I mean, just enjoy it because I mean, you, you don't get this all the time. You don't see this oh. everywhere. <laughs> Long time right? Bomber fans are well aware of that too, right. which is what's made this so special. And to your point about how yeah. tight knit the team is, I couldn't agree more. There's a lot of teams out there that'll tell you they've got the best group of guys they got to tell you, oh, we've got a great locker room. We're really close. Yeah. The Bombers are that team. And it comes out off the field, and it sure as hell comes out on the field. And uh, yeah. that's a far cry from what's happening in Saskatchewan right now. Scott, <laughs> what did you think about the uh, the release of Garrett Marino? And yeah. I'll reset our why not question of the day. Um, do you think Garrett Marino plays another game in the Canadian Football League, whether it's this year or in the future? Yeah, I uh... I don't think so. I, I think I, I think it's just too much of a liability for other teams. Uh, you know, Chris. Jo- as long as Chris Jones is coaching in this league, though, don't ever count anything out, though, because I think Chris Jones would pick him up just for the you know just to put some attention onto the onto Edmonton Elks there. But um, uh, you know, some people say, well, it's about time, blah blah blah. I mean, it is right. I mean, I think he should have been canned after the uh, after the Jeremiah Mazzoli incident, and not just because. He put him out for the rest of the year, but because of whatever he said to him, um, some sort of you know racial epithet, whatever it was, we don't actually know what it was said, but it, it was agreed upon that it was said, and he was suspended um, partly because of that. I mean, that stuff should just be non-negotiable. Just boot him out of the league. I mean, that was your opportunity then to do it, you give him more time. So I, I think it just caught up maybe with the riders. It was just like maybe there was some pressure there. Maybe it was the way that Garrett Marino handled himself on social media after the game which was an absolute disaster. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy is just not, I mean, for the last He can't day, help I, himself. It's pretty damn clear. I think that's he it, can't right? help himself. I just don't think he has the capacity, right, to help himself. And he, I, I'm not sure he has the capacity to understand that what he's done or what he has done in the past and what he still remains to do isn't right. I mean, you can't be just cheap-shotting guys. And you can argue about, well, was it a love tap? I've seen all these arguments on, on, on Twitter about, oh, was it a love tap? <laughs> It doesn't like it, it was after the play. His it's a clear blindside hit, and you drilled him. Like, and then he's like, "Oh, he puts his arms up like he didn't do anything <laughs> wrong." It, I mean, this guy shouldn't have been in the league. You see, ex CFL players talking about it. It's not just us in the media or Bombers players. I thought the Bombers did a hell of a job leading into this game to kind of neutralize the talk about it, right? But you have to imagine if you're Zach Caleros, who was outspoken about it earlier in the year. He's good friends with Jeremiah Mazzoli, obviously. Um, but even more than that, I mean, you got to be worried about that. You got to have your head on your swivel. And the one time that Zach Claros isn't looking at Garrett Marino in the game, he gets drilled by it. Like, it's just, 
I mean, I know, and it's <laughs> it's total. It, it like you were like, okay, man, Gary Marino is actually going to get through this whole game without being a complete idiot, and then he goes ahead and being a, a complete idiot, and it's just like, and then he the way he handled himself after it was very poor. He shouldn't have been on social media. Should fans go after him on social media? That's up for debate. I'm I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that either. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the guy should have just shut his mouth instead of trying to do what he did. And then he goes off of it or whatever his count gets, I don't know, whatever. He shut his count down. Probably the, but I think the rough, it's just too many things, right? At the end of the day, there was just too many incidents with this guy. He's not really contributing that well to your team anyways. Um, so, I mean, what's the point in paying the guy and, and, and having the bad publicity and all that stuff. Sometimes there's too much bad publicity and you got to get rid of that guy. And I think, Saskatchewan just probably have enough. Well, and Randy Ambrosi basically told the rest of the Canadian Football <laughs> yeah, League well, as much too. in that memo today. Hey, listen, before yeah. we go, and yeah. uh, I know we're going to get into this Mike in a minute with Mike in a minute. It's been very quiet for the Winnipeg Jets the last little while. They did sign Sam Gagne on the weekend uh, or heading into yeah. the weekend. Well, what do you think of that signing and uh, how he'll fit into a forward group where, frankly, um, there's plenty of need for a guy like Sam Gagne to come in and uh, help out in probably a number of different roles. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's been a tough offseason if you're a Jeffs fan because there hasn't been a lot to really celebrate, right? Um, I mean, I guess, you know, you haven't lost some of the players that you thought you might lose and Dubois, maybe Shifley, whatever. Um, but I think the Sam Gagne, I, I think it's a good it's a good depth signing because the guy can still score. He can still play the game. In my opinion, he's an upgrade over Svechnikov. Um because he can do the scoring and it's not just kind of a one guy or sorry, a one line type of player. Um, and Sveshikov was that, I mean, you know, I liked Evgeny. I thought he played well in, in this city. Um, but at the same time, I think Sam Gagne just brings a bit more offensive and, and a bit of more of that veteran, you know, kind of whatever presence, whatever you want to call it. But I, I, I thought it was, a, it's a decent signing. Is it an earth shattering signing? Is this a change this team out of being kind of a mediocre team? I'm not sure. Um, probably not. I mean, you know, but they haven't made these. It's tough to argue that a, kind of a league minimum signing at the end of right. August is what's putting the team over the top. But it, yeah. it certainly helps. And one thing, and I talked to Dustin Nielsen about this uh, just right after it happened. Um, and yeah. they obviously know Sam Gagne quite well from his time in Edmonton. And, you know, he said from a guy outside of the market, hey, we've heard enough about the Jets and what may or not be happening in that room. The one thing we can tell you is that in addition to what he'll do on the ice, he will be a great teammate. He's a respected veteran, a guy that is a very positive influence on clubs on the club. And that's one thing that yeah. certainly isn't going to hurt this team. No. And you know, this team needs that, right? I mean, that's the other thing. I don't know what's happened with Blake Wheeler. I assume Blake Wheeler's playing for the Winnipeg Jets this year. Um, but this team has, has needed, I mean, I mean, with Paul Stasny gone too, I mean, you lose a lot of that kind of veteran experience that leadership, whatever you want to call it. I think Sam Gagne brings that. He's been all over the place in his NHL career. Um, and, you know, I think at the same time, he's going to bring some bottom six scoring to a team that desperately needs it, right? I mean, this is a team that doesn't doesn't score a lot on their bottom six. And as good as that top six can be at times, I mean, you need to supplement it with bottom six scoring. That's how every team that's good in this league, Stanley Cup winners, whatever you want to call, you know, playoff teams even, all of them are able to really do that. And, and so, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, again, it's not, it's not a make or break signing for the jets. Um, it, it's something, I guess. I mean, I guess it just goes to show that, you know, they poke the, poke the team with the stick, <clears throat> poke the team with the stick a little bit. And there is some still heartbeating there, but yeah, you know, it, 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 who knows? I mean, 
we talked about this essentially the same team last year at this time possibly being a stanley cup contender right and then after obviously it, it didn't go that way now we're talking about this team probably not or being a bubble team at best right who knows i mean it's possible that rick bonus comes in here and does what he did in dallas and made the team better and they squeak into the playoffs i just don't think if you watched any of the jets last year they're not the team that's going to compete with the Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs, right? They're just going to get run out of the building as they did a couple times against the Avalanche this past season. So yeah, we got to figure we'll out see, to, but yeah. to, to compete against Nashville and well, Dallas and St. Louis. Uh, and then we can start talking about taking a run at the, uh, at the champs. Yeah. Scott, great stuff as always. Uh, what's up with you this week? Are you going to be on uh, banjo bowl duty or uh... hopefully, and I'll be at the gold as game tonight for game one. So kind of still waiting the jets to start, but uh, before it does, when gold, I start their playoff bid tonight for a fifth uh, title, fourth American association title. So see how that goes. Should be a good game at Shaw park. And then, uh, yeah, Banjo Bowl uh, coming up uh, this uh, this Sunday. Well, it should be a great ball good. game tonight. Beautiful yeah. night for some baseball and a big one for the Gold Eyes. Hopefully this won't be the last game of the season, but uh, certainly get out. And as Andrew Collier joined us yesterday, get those tickets at goldeyes.com digitally. Don't wait in that ridiculously long line for everyone walking up, <laughs> but get out there tonight. It should be good. Scotty, thanks for doing this as always. Yeah, anytime, Huss. Appreciate it. Good stuff. There's Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter and check out uh, Gold Eyes action in the paper tomorrow and lots of good stuff heading into the uh, into the weekend for the Banjo Bowl. All right, you can keep those uh, comments coming in for the why not question of the day. Of course, our friends at Not Auto Corp, great sponsors of ours since day one with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if you're in the market for a vehicle, before you do anything, head on down and talk to the experts at Not. Uh, an incredible selection of vehicles on the lot. Um, but what separates Not maybe from everywhere else is that if you have a particular make and model that you have your heart set on, the Not experts will source it, get it here to Winnipeg, and get you into it at the best possible price. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery also home of the amazing Winnipeg Car Lab, and you can find out more online at not.ca. Um, our friends at Royal Sports are certainly ready for the Banjo Bowl. If you need uh, bomber gear heading into Saturday, head on down to 750 Pemina Highway. Of course, the uh, new third jersey with the double gray cup stripes on the side available in a number of players, including Zach Caleros, Adam Big Hill, and Willie Jefferson. Uh, many exclusive back-to-back Grey Cup champion hats and more all there. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise with the season just around the corner. And, of course, the biggest selection of hockey gear anywhere is at Royal Sports with expert players on staff to help you and the hockey players in your family get into the right equipment to make the most of your upcoming season. Royal Sports has it all. Winnipeg's number one sports superstore for over 35 years. 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sales information, including a big tent sale coming up in September. Can't thank the guys at F Apparel enough for the suit that uh, I wore on the weekend. It had been a little while, uh, like for many of us, uh, but hey, every guy's a, guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits begin 
at just $400. The entire process was amazing. Popped in, Andrew and his staff measured me up, gave me all the options as to what color, fabric, and more. And um, a few weeks later, had a great new suit and it got took advantage of a great summer shirt deal as well. Three shirts for 210 bucks, cut and made to order. If you need to step up the wardrobe game, start it at F apparel ephapparel.com and pop down and see him at 190 smith street and uh lots of golf news today big congratulations to taylor pendrith the second canadian announced to the president's cup team he'll join Corey connors as trevor immelman announced the six captains picks yesterday for the president's cup uh, of course, the DP World Tour event happens. A number of live players playing that event this week and a lot of talk of what's happening off the course as, as opposed to on the course there. If you're looking for a great home for your family on the golf course in Winnipeg, talk to our good friend Corey Johnson over at Breezy Bend and find out more at breezybend.ca about making Breezy your home for next golf season. All right, let's get to it with Mike McIntyre on the program for his weekly visit. Mike, how was your long weekend, and how did you enjoy the big game between uh, the Bombers and Riders? Long weekend was great, Huss, and it was a long weekend. I had uh, five days in a row off. You'll, you'll notice behind me a slightly different hue, a different color. Uh, this is the new color in the McIntyre abode. Uh, my wife and I spent a long weekend uh, painting away, and... We're not headed for divorce court, uh, which is good news. Uh, we we managed to uh, get along just just fine, despite uh, taking on some some home renovations. We're getting new flooring put in in a couple days, so yeah, exciting times around here. As for the game, uh, look, it it lived up to you know its advanced billing. It was a nice close game. You kind of like to see that. There's been a few. Uh, there's been a few routes lately when it comes to the Bombers and the Rough Riders. And, of course, the blue and gold have been on the right side of a few of those routes. So it was nice to have a, a, a tight, competitive game. And good for uh, Mark Leggio for, you know, kind of wearing the goat horns a couple weeks ago. Uh, hmm. I took some heat. I still laugh, Huss. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with you. When I wrote a couple weeks ago, I, I referred to Mark Leggio as Mark Uh-oh Leggio in a column. Uh, after the uh, the couple blunders against Montreal, and I, I got an email that I should probably frame, where <laughs> a reader took me to task, said that I was being unnecessarily cruel uh, to this uh, young man, and uh, said, "How would you like it if, after a column uh, that maybe didn't didn't read so well, I referred to you as Mike failing to inspire McIntyre?" <laughs> now, Unlike Oo Legio, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. But I will say, my my snarky seventeen year old daughter and my wife have taken to referring to me as failing to inspire McIntyre. <laughs> Maybe we could get that uh, Remus. Can we get that put in between my first and last name on the uh, on, on? We the can name? definitely make that happen. If you want to go with that as your new handle on the program, we'll be more than happy to uh, to pump that up, Mike. Yeah, um, it was uh, the Legio story was just huge. I mean, um, you know, going into the game, um, well, really coming out of the Montreal game, where if the Bombers really, frankly, should have been, you know, still undefeated, yeah. um, much like last season, there was a big question about the kicking game, and 
listen, there's lots more rope and, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, as far as road, I should say, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this season. But I'm not sure he could have had a more impactful game. And I was just talking with Billick. I mean, as huge as that 55-yarder was, I mean, the awareness that he used on that play to Barry Sanders juke those two guys that had a sure block when the team was down 10, a massive, massive game as well. We'll get back to that maybe a little bit more if we've got some time. And I do want to talk Jets with you. But I was just mentioning in our Breezy Ben spot what was going on with golf in the DP World Tour. And I know you've been close with Aaron Cockrell, who, listen, what a season he's had. And then he goes holes in ones in back-to-back weeks. But unfortunately, last week, so much going on after the hole-in-one, forgot to sign his card and got DQ'd. Um, What's the latest on Cockrell, as well as this big event this year, this week on the European Tour, where a number of guys probably in and around Aaron Cockrell's spot on the European tour are getting bumped for live yeah. players that have popped in. Well, and Aaron Cockrell's one of them. He's not, he's not teeing it up this week. Uh, and as you pointed out, a lot of the big boys are back and uh, the DP tour at this point, they're, they're letting some of these guys play Unlike what well, the there's PGA a court injunction right now. They got a court injunction exactly. to allow them to so, do that. Um, so, you know, and Aaron Cockrell, he's fighting for his tour card for next year. He's still in a pretty good spot. They have nine events left in their, in their season. So he's still that second and the third that he had earlier this year in Spain and in Kenya. Uh, those two, you know, top three finishes have, uh, more or less cemented his card. But yeah, last week, uh, in Denmark is, uh, that's a round he, he won't soon forget us. For those who maybe weren't following, Aaron makes the turn at three under. Uh, this is on his his first nine uh, last week, round one. So he's three under through nine. And if you had told Aaron Cockrell that you're going to be three under through nine, then you're going to make a hole in one on your back nine, and you're going to shoot four over par, uh, that would be hard to fathom. But that's actually what he did. Uh, because he gave those three strokes back right away. He had a triple to start the back. Then he followed up his hole-in-one with a snowman, a quad. Um, and and to add kind of insult to injury, Huss, as you point out, he's in the scorer's tent after the round, and he gets chatting with some guys who naturally want to talk to him about the fact he's done what probably very few, if if any, have done, which is back-to-back hole in ones in consecutive events and uh whoopsie daisy forgets to sign the old scorecard and gets the dq and of course doesn't get any points doesn't get any money that being said he was four over i think the cut was three under he was going to have to go really low the next day so it might have just spared him one round but uh i mean quite a story and uh, unfortunately huss the hole in one last week will not actually count as an official hole-in-one <laughs> because technically his round didn't happen because he got DQ'd. Now, in his hole-in-one two weeks ago, there was a prize on the hole. He won $30,000, I think, in life insurance. Can you imagine? There was no prize on this hole last week. Oh, But these tournaments, I mean, when I went and followed <laughs> Aaron for that week out in, in Hamburg, Germany in June... There was a hole where um, it was sponsored by by Porsche. You'd win a Porsche if you got a hole in one. Can you imagine if he had <laughs> won, say, a car and then didn't sign and then 
talk about a court injunction. There might have been a legal battle over uh, over such an event if that was the case. No kidding. And uh, Billy Horschel's been very outspoken just back to this DP yeah. Live event. Um, um, you know, it's going into the event. John Rom as well yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy like Taylor Gooch that's never played on the DP World Tour that because of his performances early on the PGA Tour, where he's now suspended from got into a certain level where he's eligible for yeah. it with the court injunction. It's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but that's just a, another story in the uh, craziest year for golf, the golf business on a professional level that we've seen sure. certainly in decades. Um, Mike, let's move over to uh, Jets for a minute. And I do want to yeah. get to the Sam Gagne signing where the team is right now. Uh, but as I mentioned off the top of yesterday's show, we found out just before we went to the air of the passing of Scott Campbell. And I wanted to bring that up again today with you. Of course, you've had, you know, many interactions with Scott over the years. I just found him as such a special guy in that, you know, played WHA, played NHL for the Winnipeg Jets. And then yet in this new era of 2.0 hockey, well past his playing days, he kind of seamlessly transitioned to a guy that could talk about the game from a fan's perspective yeah. and did it, did some columns in the Winnipeg free press as well, was very active on Twitter and was very active as part of the Winnipeg Jets fan base. And I think we were all fearing the worst when Scott had been very quiet over the last number of months. And we'd heard some rumblings that he was sick, but um, a huge loss for the Jets family. And, and especially I think the fans of the Winnipeg Jets who uh, he really impacted and, and interacted with so much over the last 10 years. Yeah, you know, and it, it just, look, we, we've all been touched by cancer, you know, family members, loved ones, friends, and the Jets family, if you will, the Jets organization. I mean, they've they've been touched by cancer in a number of ways. Of course, in just a few weeks from now, they're going to erect a statue of Dale Howarchuk outside, you know, uh, the, the downtown rink. And Dale, of course, lost his battle with cancer. Scott, um, yeah, we had heard, you know, that he wasn't doing so well and, uh, he had gone very quiet on Twitter where he was very active. And I think that's what I heard from so many people is they just loved that this guy who was, you know, a, a pro hockey star in his day, um, that he had the time and, and you know, for everybody. And he embraced analytics and kind of the new age, uh, the new way of looking at the game and just was a genuinely nice man. I mean, I know Huss... Um, you had a chance to to meet him and his mom, I believe. Uh, I remember, you know, sometimes doing our hits pregame at Boston Pizza. One time, I remember him and his mom, and she was, uh, she's a delight as well. And they, he had brought her to Winnipeg to kind of show her around the city and and the Jets organization. And um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a huge loss for sure. Um, and Scott did do writing for the Free Press, like as you say, he. He could talk the game. He could write about the game. I had a chat with our former sports editor, Steve Lyons, yesterday. And uh, Steve's the one who brought uh, Scott in to do some writing for the, the paper several years back. And Steve had nothing but great things to say as well about his dealings with Scott, how professionally was, and you know how knowledgeable about the game. But not not a guy that was stuck in, in the past, if you will, uh, but embracing kind of all the great things about the game the modern game and uh so yeah a huge loss for sure and uh you know i i saw the jets uh in their twitter account paid tribute to him uh and i'm sure they'll they'll do it upright uh for scott but uh, leaves a big void for sure um you know look we all see social media it can be a pretty ugly place sometimes when it comes to things like fan engagement and stuff 
Scott Campbell, he was one of the good ones, right? Like he kept it fun, informative, uh, and uh, he will definitely be missed. And he didn't mind telling it the way it is about the local squad as well. He certainly had some great takes (laughs) on that, which we always appreciated. Speaking of that local squad, um, you know, it's been deadly silent for the last number of weeks leading into Friday afternoon when Sam Gagne was signed by the Winnipeg Jets. An interesting signing. I said on the program on Friday, I mean, I liked it for a number of reasons. First of all, it's absolutely about the lowest risk signing you could make, a one-year deal at league minimum. But when you think about what Sam Gagne brings to the table, coming off a pretty solid season with 13 goals and 31 points in Detroit, his experience playing up and down the lineup, the fact that he's a right-handed shot... I mean, listen, I don't want to get too excited. It sort of speaks to where we are right now where we're talking about a depth signing like this is sort of the news. But I will say this, on the ice, he brings that. And from all accounts, a really great teammate that I think can hopefully help this team behind closed doors as well. Um, I think this is a a great usage of $750,000 of available cap space, uh, especially in a forward group that, you know, still has a couple holes. Yeah, I, I had written a column uh, midweek last week, Huss, where I identified uh, seven free agents that were still unsigned at the time and suggested, you know, they might make some sense uh, to the Jets. Sam Gagne was on my list. He was number three uh, behind Evan Rodriguez, who still has not signed with anybody, and Sonny Milano, who still has not signed with anybody. And I still maintain... Those two players, uh, if if the price was right, would make a lot of sense for the Jets. Clearly, the price hasn't been right for either of them from any team. Uh, the fact that they are still unsigned a couple weeks out from the start of training camp. Uh, I think I saw Elliot Friedman report today that there could be some movement on Rodriguez this week. And he did mention that there are a couple Canadian teams believed to be interested. I have to think Winnipeg would absolutely be one of them. But Gagne was number three on my list, Haas. And for the reasons you just outlined, um, you know, he still has some game as shown last year on a pretty average, below average, I would say, but rebuilding Detroit team for sure. But this is a guy, I mean, Detroit had has some really good young players. Sam Gagne was brought in, was, was part of what that group was doing. With some young guys, you know, integrating them more into the system in some ways, not dissimilar to what the Jets are going to probably do this year with guys like Cole Perfetti and David Gustafson up front. And perhaps some young guys on the back end, if that log jam can be cleared. Uh, But Sam Gagne, yeah, he's 33, but there's still some game there. As you say, the price is right. I think the fit, you know, he can do a lot of things that Paul Stasny did. He can play center. He can play wing. And in Gagne's case, he can play the right side with a right shot, which the Jets do not have much of. Uh, He can kill penalties, which we know from last year. That was an area the Jets certainly um, had room for improvement. And I had a chance on Friday afternoon, uh, a couple hours after the signing, to have a phone conversation with Sam Gagne. And as you said, his kind of leadership abilities, they jump off the page. Uh, This is a guy who's been in the league since he was 18. He was brought in, you know, a number six overall pick, made the Oilers that year, and he's been in the NHL ever since. 33 games short of 1,000. 
Uh, so if everything goes according to plan, he'll celebrate his 1,000th game with the Jets, you know, around midseason this year. But there's leadership, you know, on and off the ice. He's a respected voice who's been around a long time, played with a lot of great players. And I think, as you say, for the, the, the league minimum and the fact that the Jets, he's not going to block someone Huss. Like there is not a forward that you could point to who's absolutely ready that you could say, oh, well, now Sam Gagne's here. He's going to take that guy's spot. Who's he blocking? The Jets need some, I would say they still need another forward or two um, at the very least to provide some additional competition. I mean, if the Jets were to run into any kind of injuries in the forward group, there, it thins out really quickly, really quickly. So I like the signing. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, I still think the Jets could use another forward or two, as I say, and I'm curious to see if they do add someone, whether it's an actual signing, whether it's a, a PTO. Um, you know, they brought a guy like Svechnikov in last year on a PTO. Could one of these unsigned players end up here in camp i mean i guess it remains to be seen but uh i wouldn't be surprised if there's another forward added to the mix well i, I listen i'm with you on that but I, i'll be honest and i still feel this way mike um and maybe this is just you know reading the room or the tea leaves or whatever and thinking the most logical solution listen if i put my gm hat on and i'm in kevin Sheveldayoff's position what i'm looking to do is find a trade partner yeah. that i can move one of the veteran defensemen on this hockey club that's signed to a couple more years and bring back a forward very simply. And if it's a team that, you know, has to move some money and, you know, they need to move a $6 million guy out and bring a $4 million guy back, um, you know, that's, I think, the, maybe the most effective usage of the cap space the Winnipeg Jets have. Yeah. Because to me, it solves two problems at the same time. One you're maybe easing up on that log jam on the on the blue line and you know enabling a little bit more of a path for some younger cheaper players to get playing time like Billy Hainla and of course Dylan Sandberg and on the other side of it i mean if you can move some of that cap distribution from the blue line which is so so packed yeah. to the forward group i mean it just makes too much sense now we're seeing Dmitry Kulovkov got traded for nothing um you know it is not easy to move pieces right now if you're looking to get rid of cap, but in the Jets situation where they do have a little bit of wriggle room and could yeah. actually take back more than they give out, to me, that's the most logical path. And, you know, I wonder, I'm sure they've talked about many scenarios like that. The timing of everything is interesting as to, um, you know, we're getting closer to training camp. I do wonder whether, you know, there's a time before the season gets going that that makes sense. And maybe they're seeing how things shake out in some other markets, but to me, that's the best path for the Winnipeg Jets. Easy for me to say sitting here talking with you as opposed to a guy that's got to pull the trigger or make that happen. Uh, but to me, that's the best route for the Jets to go if they could. For sure. And so the Jets, you know, we're sitting here now about to enter the second week of September. Training camp starts in two weeks. But that's a bit of an artificial deadline. The Jets, nobody has to clear waivers, yeah. you know, two weeks from now. We're talking about just over a month from now that the home opener is the season opener is October 14th. So they've got till about October 12th to maybe decide, are we really going to try and put Johnny Kovacevic on waivers 
Like if there's not a spot for him and are we going to risk losing a guy like that for nothing? Um, and, you know, as we sit here today with everybody presumably healthy, you don't see a path for a guy like Kovacevic on the team or even in the top seven or eight if they want to keep eight defensemen. You just don't see it. So, but things can change in a hurry. Exhibition games are going to get played. Guys are going to get hurt. Teams who maybe thought that they had more than they really do or, um, you know, they have a strength somewhere they didn't realize it and a weakness somewhere else. There is still time to get that sorted out. Uh, and I, I agree, Huss. I mean, that to me, that's maybe why we haven't seen more in terms of signings is because the Jets are trying some other things quietly behind the scenes. You know, I, I still go back to a team like the New York Islanders um, and who've been really quiet this offseason, like even more quiet than the Winnipeg Jets. We know they were in, you know, they were looking at, Gaudreau and they didn't they whiff there you know Kadri um but I do wonder you know there was talk about them having to move some salary out and a guy like Anthony Bavillier was a name that was thrown out there um Josh Bailey was was another one so you know I don't know what else say Lou Lamorello might be trying to do on the island but there's always the chance that there are trickle down you know related moves there's also teams as we sit here today Haas and again they don't have to be cap compliant by the start of training camp, but they certainly do before the season starts. There's still some teams that are going to have to shed some salary and a team like Toronto, you know, there's talk that Toronto might be one of the teams interested in Evan Rodriguez, which is great, but they have no cap space. So, I mean, if they were to then bring a guy like him in, they got to move somebody out. Uh, And so maybe a team like Winnipeg that has, depending how you do the math, you know, they might have in the range of four to five million dollars worth of cap space still. Uh, the Jets could be a team that takes advantage of someone else's problem, if you will. Uh, we've always talked about how patient the Jets, patient the Jets have been, and how patient Kevin Shovel Dayoff has been. Is there part of you that thinks, I mean, as impatient as fans are, and I totally get it, that the patience of the general manager? could be an asset over the course of the next month. And is that what they're counting on? Or um, is this just something that we're talking about right now? And that's not really what, you know, is going on behind the scenes at uh, downtown. Well, I think in this case, there's patience may not have been the way they drew it up. Like it may not have been plan a, just like Rick bonus wasn't plan a, Uh, but they're pretty happy with how the coaching staff turned out, even though, They had their sights set on Barry Trotz, right? So, you know, it's that old saying, sometimes the moves you don't make are better than the ones you do. And patience can be a virtue at times. And we know Kevin Sheveldayoff has that in spades. Well, I think the Jets, they were engaged perhaps in in bigger trade talks this summer, whether it was Blake Wheeler, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, again, nothing happened on, on any of those fronts. I don't think Mark Shifley ever got to the point of any kind of real trade discussions, but certainly Wheeler and Dubois, there was a lot of buzz around those guys and they didn't go anywhere. I have no doubt there's been some chatter about moving a blue liner or two. And as of now, that's gone nowhere. So I I think, you know, had the Jets maybe had a better offer, we may not have seen the patience that this summer ended up being all about. But as you point out, sometimes, you know, if you get kind of served lemons, you make lemonade out of them. And Kevin Shoveldayoff can maybe still 
serve up some lemonade here if he's able to uh, to take advantage of of some other situations that wouldn't have otherwise existed for the Jets if earlier moves had had happened. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I, I, well, I want to ask you about Rick Bonus, and this is, I mean, a question we're going to be talking quite a bit about. Um, you know, as he heads into his first training camp with the 2.0 Winnipeg Jets, considering what was rumored to be happening in the offseason that didn't happen, you mentioned those players in particular, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler, uh, and I know the Jets have downplayed any sort of internal strife last season, but I think it was pretty clear from anyone that was paying attention or listening to them speak publicly, never mind anything else, that right. all was not rosy. Does Rick Bonus have a bigger job in putting this team together on the ice or building a cohesive unit off the ice that helps them play better as a team? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's it's off the ice. It's it's between the ears, as the saying goes, Huss. I mean, Look, the, the the margin between success and victory in the NHL is is razor thin on any given night, right? Like the, even the worst teams are are often very competitive and a bounce here, a bounce there, a goal here, a goal there, a save here, a save there, like that can be the difference. There's no question this Jets team and this goes back to what I think you and I talked about last week on the show in a lot of ways, you look at the way outsiders still perceive at least pieces of the Jets. There's still a lot of really good players here, players that other teams would love to have on their roster. That hasn't changed. Um, so, you know, yes, they've lost some guys like Andrew Kopp and Paul Stasi from a year ago. They believe internally that they, you know, from, from their own growth and development of some of their younger players, uh, that they maybe have enough to to cover for that, and that they still have enough good pieces in place that this is a team that can compete for a playoff spot. Might be a wild card spot, um, you know, competing for first place in their division with the defending cup champs. That's probably a really big ask, but uh, stranger things have happened. Um, but so I, I think in Rick Bonus's case, it's going to be an easy sell for him to come in and tell everybody. This is a clean slate. It's a blank page. This is not the same coaching staff as last year that's coming in trying to sell the same players on that. This is an entirely new coaching staff. So I think in that case, everyone will feel like this is a fresh start of sorts. You got a zero and zero record, you know, when the puck drops on October 14th. We think we got some good pieces here, but for sure, it's going to be getting the buy-in and Maybe most importantly, Huss, when the going gets tough, and inevitably it will, it always does, even the good teams have bumps in the road, it's going to be convincing this group, largely intact from last year, that the sky isn't falling the way maybe it caved in last year. And so getting that buy-in uh, early in the year is going to be important. And, and I just think, Huss, you're going to see some, some things as we get going in training camp I think you're going to see the Jets make a real concerted effort to get everybody on the same page. You're going to hear a lot about buy-in and cohesiveness and bonding. Team bonding is going to be a big theme of training camp, I know for a fact. So, you know, I think we'll see that theme early, and it's something that they're going to try and, and build on as, as they get going. 
Mike McIntyre with us here. Hey, Mike, before we go, um, you know, we talked yesterday on the program about the great win for Canada's women at the World Women's Hockey Championship and the uh, unfortunate optics and surprising decision, frankly, of Scott Smith being yeah. the guy that um, was handing out the gold medals. Um, but I do want to ask you about um, something more positive when it comes to making positive change yeah. in the hockey culture. And that's a piece you had today in the Winnipeg Free Press on what the Manitoba Junior Hockey League is doing heading into this season um, with a key player that's, um, you know, that is out um, and, and and the program to try to educate these young people and maybe change some of the things that unfortunately has been hanging around the game for a long time. Yeah, Brock McGillis has become a, a real prominent voice here in Canada. He's a former pro hockey player, a goaltender, um, played uh, played in the Ontario Hockey League, went overseas for a year, played at Concordia uh, University, never made it to the A or, or the NHL, but uh, uh, he came out publicly in 2016, a few years after his career ended, and he really was, Haas, the first pro hockey player to come out publicly. We know there's a lot of pro hockey players that that you know um, have not come out, but they they feel that uh, a lot of them feel. Les Brock McGillis has explained that he didn't feel like he could be his true self. Um, and we also know Huss, and we're seeing it obviously with what's going on with Hockey Canada. That you know, for all the talk about fixing hockey culture, making it a an inclusive place, a safe space for everybody to play regardless of race or sexual orientation, that in a lot of ways it still isn't that. And a lot of the talk is just that, it's talk. You see teams post statements, you know, social media posts and that sort of thing. And, and it doesn't really go anything beyond that. They're, they're empty gestures. Uh, so kudos to the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, which is walking the walk. They're bringing Brock McGillis in. He's going to do a, a seminar later this month uh, it's going to be mandatory, all 13 teams in the MJ, every single player. So that's almost 300 players, young men um, in their formative years. Men that is Brock McGillis told me yesterday, Huss, they're, they're leaders in their community. They're seen, they're looked up to by others. They can set examples. And Brock McGillis is going to give a presentation on important issues of inclusion of language, something that Brock McGillis was exposed to often in his career, just harmful language and the impact that it can have. And so I think it's great with what Kevin Surratt and, and company are doing at the MJHL. And I wish other leagues would mm -hmm. uh, would follow suit. Brock McGillis tells me, hey, I'd, lo I'd love to talk to every sports league in the world if I was invited. A lot of leagues, again, they're just all about kind of trying to score PR points, cheap PR points, but the MJHL is uh, kind of putting its money where its mouth is, and it's it's a good look for them, and uh, it's a great program. And Brock McGillis is a, is a superhuman being, uh, so good on him, good on them. Yeah, folks, check out the piece in uh, today's Winnipeg Free Press on that. Mike, great sports weekend here around the peg. Uh, well, big playoff game for the Fish yeah. tonight, Banjo Bowl on Saturday, NFL kickoff. Enjoy. We'll look forward to having you back on the program next week. Thanks so much for doing this. You bet, Huss. Have a great week. Right on. There is uh, our good friend, Mike McIntyre. All right. Cannot wait to talk some Vikings football coming up. First up, a big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto. <clears throat> Excuse me for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. 
course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers, and the place to be before the game on Saturday, the Princess Auto tailgate zone opens two hours before the game outside IG Field. $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs and pop, DJ finesse spinning, prizes from the Princess Auto game. It is all going down on Saturday. Make sure you're there early. It is going to be quite a scene. And, of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Um, hey, NFL kickoff tomorrow night. Uh, great thing to maybe join with the game or the Banjo Bowl in the afternoon, which you can pick up at the stadium, is, of course, the great taste of Canadian Club and the new Canadian Club and Ginger Ale available in six packs at your local beer store or liquor mart. And, of course, CC and the CC and Ginger available throughout IG Field as Canadian Club Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, and, of course, you got to hydrate Plenty, especially this weekend. Our friends at Culligan Water have been the experts in the water game. Hydrating Manitobans for over 65 years in business as a family-owned operation. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or your business, Culligan's got you covered. Pop down and visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can call them at 694-5180 or check them out online with all their services and products at drinkculligan.com. All right, let's get to it. I'm so excited for this next conversation. And, you know, we've spoken with Matthew Collar a number of times in our old home, but this is the first time we've actually been able to see each other in these chats. He is the man behind purpleinsider.com, along with the new NFL podcast called Hot Roots. Matthew Calder, welcome to the program. What's going on? Uh, great to be here. Great to actually be able to look at you. Looks like you got a pretty sexy setup there. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be on. Well, it is an exciting time, and there are a lot of Viking fans around here. They cannot wait to get their hands on the Packers on Sunday. It's been an interesting offseason. New head coach. I'm fill us in on maybe the vibe around the team and what you've been observing in training camp and the level of optimism about this club going into this upcoming season, Matthew. Yeah, I think anytime we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings, we are talking about cautious optimism <laughs> from a fan base uh, because they have been burned so many times. But, you know, they went into this offseason with a couple of different ways that they could go. They could decide to completely blow it up, draft another quarterback, uh, trade away all of their key players that were older veterans, or they could run it all back entirely and they could hire a new coach and change the culture and modernize a bunch of different things and add a new offense that's a, a lot more modern and asks more of the quarterback. And they decided to go that way. And, and so it's really kind of a test case for like, was this the right direction to take or should they have just thrown up their hands and said, you know what, it's time to move on from Kirk Cousins because you don't have to go back that far in our lives. When teams were making phone calls to the Minnesota Vikings about potentially trading for Kirk Cousins, thinking that the Vikings 
might actually tear this entire thing down. And so they instead kept everybody. They brought in some new free agents. Patrick Peterson came back and they drafted a couple of guys for the secondary, drafted a starting right guard. And they're hoping that all of those things come to fruition and get the most out of Kirk Cousins, have a few things go their way, get back to the playoffs and sort of feel like they've hit the reset button on the franchise in, in terms of just how everyone feels about it. Because Things were pretty toxic here by the end of Mike Zimmer. You had a GM and coach who weren't talking to each other. You had a coach who was treating players pretty badly, and they were talking about the culture of fear. You had uh, just, I think, a lot of frustration, a quarterback and a coach that were not on the same page. And But the, the thing is, though, like how much does all of that matter, right? Like usually it's the, the players, not the plays, is kind of the saying in the NFL, right? So it's like, does... Does a, a more friendly culture matter? Does you know, the players having more say in the offense matter? Um, one thing that they've done that I think will is that they're going into this game against Green Bay extremely healthy, and they've put much more emphasis on keeping players healthy, which meant the preseason did not matter at all for us as reporters, but uh, that was – that was frustrating for writing about games that didn't matter, but I think the, the smart route to go for them was to uh, you know try to keep everybody healthy, and that's what they have going into Green Bay. So you know I I think it's going to be a fascinating season to see kind of how much was the previous regime at fault for the things that have happened in the last couple of years, and how much all those little edges, rather than a whole group of new players, are going to make the difference. You know, I mean, we obviously have a huge Vikings fan base here north of the border and a number of season ticket holders that are going down every week. And, you know, we hear it all the time on the program or whether you're out having a pint with friends, talking NFL, Vikings are always a hot topic. And I don't know, maybe this is just my perspective, but is there is there more? Like Kirk Cousins has had quite the relationship with Viking fans during his time in purple. Um is there more optimism, acceptance, and excitement for what Cousins and a Cousins-led offense can do this year as opposed to previous years in your mind? Yeah, one, one thing that I've started calling Kirk Cousins is the imagination land quarterback because everybody always imagines all the ways that it could be different, and they never really happen, right? Like his career has been every season on repeat since he started starting in 2015. It's been eight wins, nine wins, one year they got 10 and won a playoff game, but just kind of stuck in the middle with Kirk Cousins. And so the idea is that you could take a Los Angeles Rams offense that is considered the most up-to-date, high-flying offense in the NFL that just won the Super Bowl, bring it over here with Kevin O'Connell, hand it to Kirk Cousins, hit the download button like in the matrix where he just downloads how to fight Kung Fu or something. And then they go out there and he plays exactly like Matt Stafford did last year. I think a lot of those conclusions are a little bit dubious. Uh, that doesn't mean that they can't play better and they can't be smarter because there were some things that were being left on the table in the last few years. I mean, one thing was Mike Zimmer was absolutely obsessed with Delvin Cook. It didn't matter how long second down was. They were going to run with Delvin Cook, and I think it hurt them at times. Uh, they didn't push the gas pedal down when they would get leads and they would say, all right, we're going to sit on a seven-point lead. It's 2022. You can't do that in the NFL these days. It's not, you know, 1998 anymore. So, you know, I think that uh, there are things that they can do offensively that are better. But there have also been times during training camp where you can see 
Kevin O'Connell wants Kirk Cousins to push the ball downfield to make throws that Matt Stafford was making in Los Angeles. And I just don't know that's Kirk. Kirk is much closer to what Alex Smith was for Kansas City than he is to what Matt Stafford was in Los Angeles. Stafford is a gunslinger. He's a guy that's going to throw the league lead in interceptions, but then, you know, go win the Super Bowl on a no-look pass. That is not Kirk Cousins. And I think that um, it's been really interesting to hear the two talk about the offense where O'Connell is kind of like, yeah, we're going to keep pushing Kirk. And every time we talk to cousins, including just an hour ago when I was in the locker room, it was like, well, you know, we're coming along with the offense and I, I definitely don't want to turn the ball over. So I, you know, I'm going to be very careful about when I push it down the field. It's like, you could sort of see could there be a, you know, a little bit of conflict that also existed with the previous coach over that topic specifically, which has existed all the way when he went back to Washington. Jay Gruden mm -hmm. once famously said, like, Kirk, I can't draw everybody up wide open. You have to throw the ball sometimes. And so is is a 34-year-old quarterback going to change his stripes? Mm -hmm. That's the big question. Um, but I think they can do things smarter that even if they're just a little more efficient in a weak NFC, they have a chance to return to the playoffs. What's uh, what? I mean, there's a lot of Viking fans that have heard the name Kevin O'Connell, but you know, really haven't seen. We haven't had a game yet, right now. I mean, you've been around him on a daily basis. I mean, what stands out about the Vikings' new young head coach? And uh, you know, I you talked a little bit about the offensive theory of the way that he looks in, but a big picture, how do you think things will be different um, on and maybe off the field as well for the Vikings under their new uh, new boss? Yeah, I think in a lot of different ways, especially off the field. I mean, it's very clear that now, look, when we talk about culture, I mean, gosh, who knows, who knows better than hockey people about how culture gets beaten into the ground and usually <laughs> it, whether your players are good or not. But I do think when you had an environment that was pretty miserable for everybody involved, that when you bring in someone that is much more positive toward the players, that isn't screaming at everybody in practice, it was weird how quiet it was out there in the practice field when <laughs> we reporters were out there. Cause it's like, we're kind of used to Mike Zimmer barking at everybody. So they're taking a different tact when it comes to that, which is a quite a bit different with O'Connell. I think he takes much more of sort of a, instead of an old school football approach, which is not to say that Mike Zimmer didn't know football. I mean, my gosh, the man knew football, huh. but it was kind of all the other things around that, like how much you rest players, how much you listen to your players. I don't think Mike Zimmer had any interest in getting any feedback in just about anything. It was, I coach and you play. So I think that Kevin O'Connell is a much better communicator. He's much more, I mean, he was a player. So he, I think he takes much more of the angle of, here's what I would have wanted, how I would have wanted to be treated if I, if I was a player on this team. Um, and again, it sort of all ties back to how much that matters. But as far as how he actually calls a game, because he's going to be calling plays, doing the game management, everything else. I think that's very, very difficult for a first-time head coach. That is so much yet to be seen. It's like everything mm -hmm. sounds really good from Kevin O'Connell. I don't have almost a single thing to criticize from Kevin O'Connell because it's training camp, because it's preseason. And once you once the real thing starts happening, uh, then I'm sure we'll have plenty to, uh, to second guess. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it will depend on this first game. It's like first impressions are hugely important. They're going to have a lot of time to prepare against the Green Bay Packers. You get a win against the Packers to start off. I mean, you're you're going to win a lot of people over on the head coach right away. No, there's no doubt about it. Matthew Collar of PurpleInsider.com, our guest, getting ready for NFL kickoff, focusing in on the upcoming season for the Minnesota Vikings. 
And Matthew, I'm sure 90% of the conversations you have with fans and certainly inquiries to the, the pod are offense related. I mean, we live in a fantasy society. I took Justin Jefferson yesterday. I'm all fired up for his season going forward. Um, but that's the sexy part, and that's what's fun and everyone's talking about right now when they're doing their drafts. But you got to be able to hold things down on the defensive side of the football. How are things shaping up? How different will this defense look? And what are the hopes and expectations of the Vikings on the other side of the football? Yeah, so they're changing schemes a, mm -hmm. a bit here, but I don't think that it's as massive as it sounds like when they go from a, quote, 4-3 to a 3-4. I mean, that's like something we would have talked about back in the 90s where it would have made a big difference. I mean, now everybody's playing in nickel or dime where you have extra cornerbacks on the field and it kind of ends up being mostly the same. But there are different assignments. There are different ways that they're using the safeties and the secondary. I think they're going to play a lot more zone than Mike Zimmer asking his corners to line up and win one-on-one. -on -one. And the adjustments are, are going to matter. I mean, there were times in training camp where it felt like, eh, you know, I'm not sure how well the secondary is adapting to what Ed Donatel wants to do, their defensive coordinator. And what we know, and I think we've discovered even over the years, is when you change a lot of players – it takes time on defense to adapt. So they've got a new safety next to Harrison Smith. They've got a new starting second corner, a new starting third corner, a new starting defensive tackle, a new starting linebacker. Like that's a lot of new players to all get on the same page really fast. And last year there were times where it just, uh, you know, early on in the season did not gel very quickly. And then the other thing too about the defense, and this is why defense is hard. And you, you mentioned fantasy. Some fantasy leagues don't want defense in part because Boy, it is so hard to predict. You know, I mean, the last two years going into week one, I would have told you, hey, I think this defense can be pretty good. Then one guy got hurt or two guys got hurt and suddenly they were not very good. And I think the same thing exists for this team. What we saw in training camp and preseason is there's not a whole lot of depth here. And I mean, the Vikings just right now cannot rely on the two guys that they drafted in the secondary either. Lewis seen does not look like he's going to start. He took no first team reps um, in the second half of training camp. So it looks like he's going to be coming off the bench there and they're going to start cam Bynum instead. So that's, that's kind of a red flag for, for the secondary. And then Andrew Booth Jr., who they took in the second round, he never really competed with uh, cam Dantzler to start a corner and then he got hurt too. And, and so we'll see if he gets healthy in time to be depth, but he fell behind in training camp. So players that they, I think, expected to be depth uh, really aren't at this moment. And so it's a, it's a very thin line that they have to walk on defense. And there's a good chance that if a couple guys get hurt, you're going to end up with mostly the same looking defense as the last couple of years. Uh, Matt, now we look ahead to week one and I mean, what a way to start it off. I mean, uh, the Vikings' biggest rival, the Cheeseheads, the Green Bay Packers come to town for a week one matchup. Just looking at our cool bet lines right now, Vikings, even money to win. I mean, this is a Packers are a very slim one and a half point favorite. I mean, um, what what's intriguing to you about this matchup? And um, what are the keys for the Vikings to start off on a winning foot? Yeah, I think it couldn't have come at a better time for the Vikings. I mean, first of all, Alan Lazard wasn't practicing today for the Packers, so they have this new wide receiver group that Aaron Rodgers has to adjust to not having Devontae Adams. That's beneficial. Also, the crowd, they they can be optimistic for today, you know, right? Like, <laughs> if it was 
week four, week seven, you know, maybe there's some scar tissue built up already or some disappointment and frustration from the fans considering that they've had the same players for quite some time now. But with week one, it's like uh, optimism reigns supreme. So that stadium is going to be as loud as probably I've ever heard it there outside of maybe uh, the Minneapolis Miracle game from a few years back. Uh, People will be jacked up for this. I think that's going to matter. And the fact that they're healthy, it's such a huge deal for them. I mean, I, think uh they're running out every starter unless somebody gets hurt in practice this week every expected starter is going to be ready to go for vikings and packers which is a huge edge for the vikings and i i think that when they're both a hundred percent healthy the gap probably isn't too far between these two teams as in it's not like four or five games difference it's probably more one or two for the division but um you know as the season goes on i think we could see green bay pull away because of some injuries with the Vikings that will eventually happen. But as far as this game in particular, I think the Vikings have a great chance to game plan for a few weeks, have everybody ready, be prepping for Green Bay for I don't know how long, uh, and then have that home field advantage and Rodgers making that adjustment. I think that all those things kind of come together in the Vikings' favor. And at the same time, if they don't win, It'll be a pretty big gut punch for them to start the season and then have to go play Monday night football against a good team in Philadelphia. Well, this has been uh, this has been such a great conversation, Matt. And uh, of course, folks, um, you know it's just great to see the success you're having in uh, your space right now, similar to sort of what we've done moving on from our old station. Fill people and especially Vikings fans in on the Purple Insider, as well as hot roots to do not Viking specific NFL podcast as so many people sort of transition where they're getting their content from to uh, the podcast world. Yeah. I'm really glad to see uh, what you guys are doing here and kind of our same deal where, uh, you know, sports, sports radio. It's uh, <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, it's great. It's great to have uh, landed where we are. And uh, I, I went from sports radio and then my station shut down due to COVID and started purple insider. It's been incredibly fun experience to build up the brand and things like that. And I love, I love you doing the sponsor reads there and uh, to see companies understanding that a lot of people consume content this way now and value what we're doing. And and also I'm sitting in here inside the Vikings facility because they understood too, that I could build this platform and, and be a worthwhile person to have inside their building reporting on the team. So that's been great. Uh, but aside from our reflections, yes, uh, purpleinsider.com is a great place to find everything that I'm doing. And then, yeah, started the extra show, Hot Routes, to talk about the whole league. We Every week we're going to do five questions based on what we just saw from the previous week, but, you know, with some fun and different twists from uh, from what we saw. So it, it should be pretty fun. But it's been a great time building this, and I'm glad to see what you guys are doing there. Well, we really appreciate the time. Hopefully, I mean, with so much excitement and interest in the Vikings in and around these parts, we can uh, – get you on a few times during the season and uh, chop it up. Can't wait for week one. Should be a great one. No better way to start it off than the Vikings and Packers getting it together in the Twin Cities. Yep. Always got time for you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. There it is. Matthew Collar, purpleinsider.com. And check out wherever you get uh, your Winnipeg Sports Talk podcast, Purple Insider, and Hot Roots, the newest NFL offerings from uh, from Matt. That was a great conversation. And uh, I know, I'm not sure if Roscoe's here today uh, or Greg, but I know there's plenty of Viking fans 
that will be loving the content. And uh, Matthew was always great to us back at the old station. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of similar routes, uh, to use the hot route term, have uh, brought us to where we are right now. He's one of the best around and certainly Viking fans, a must follow on Twitter. That was Matthew Collar. All right. We still have a little bit more to do, including... Thank our friends over at Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. DQ Nick uh, going to come on the show with a burger breakdown of the insanity of Burger Week in the next couple of days. Um, but in the meantime, you're looking for a great burger. DQ, their new stack burgers stack up against the best in the game. And when it comes to ice cream treats, especially in this beautiful week, there's nowhere better than the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Four locations to serve you. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you're having a big banjo bowl party, why don't you give Nick and the gang a call or pop in and grab a DQ ice cream cake. Nothing uh, steps up your party like a DQ ice cream cake. And you can also get a custom-made one, maybe with Gainer the Gopher. Maybe, um, you know, down on the ground under Buzz and Boomer. Uh, they can custom make anything for you at DQ Manitoba on Instagram to get that ordered and pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Um, hey, Blue Jays tonight and tomorrow it's NFL kickoff. And that means Boston Pizza is back. Great specials on Monday Night Football. Pizza flights are back as well as a couple contests this year over the season to win a trip to Vegas to see the Raiders. We'll uh, have some more information on that as we get into first night of Monday Night Football coming up after the weekend. But in the meantime, if you're staying at home, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. A big thanks to our friends at Little Brown Jug for the uh, support of the show. I know there'll be plenty of 1919s in the parking lot before the big Banjo Bowl. It is Banjo Bowl weekend. Maybe your best bet is to pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue and stock up before NFL Sunday. And, of course, the most fun regular season game of the year here in Winnipeg. And, again, thanks to the incredible hosts at Little Brown Jug for their hospitality last week when we did our first-ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Trivia Night. And shout-out to everyone that came on down. If you haven't seen it, get on down there, ASAP, William Avenue. And you can also order online with Citywide Delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, we're going to get to our Cinnaboya Downs picks in just a minute. Uh, but let's get to the cool bet lines for today. Um, by the way, new lock shop is out. Last night we did our live listener league fantasy draft uh, online. That was a heck of a lot of fun. But today we were back in the lock shop breaking down the CFL games. You can find that wherever you get your podcast at lock shop. And make sure you're following us on Twitter as well at lock shop bets. Lots coming up daily uh, from the gang. BC is now three-point favorites in Montreal against the Alouettes. What's interesting right now, we're still not entirely sure who's going to be the starting quarterback. Will this be a Vernon Adams revenge game, or does BC give him another week or so to learn the offense fit in before going out into live action? We'll see. BC's still a three-point favorite against Montreal. The Argos, a slim one-point favorite against the resurgent Ottawa Red Blacks. Lapos boys have won the last couple games. I wouldn't be surprised if they made it three in a row. I'm liking Ottawa the way they've looked the last couple weeks, although certainly going up against a better opponent in the Toronto Argonauts. The Calgary Stampeders and Edmonton Elks, that game opened up as Calgary as seven-point road favorites. It's now eight and a half. 
and the game you're all most interested in, the main event of the weekend, the rematch, the Banjo Bowl, IG Field, Saturday afternoon, Bombers, seven and a half point favorites over their rivals, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And just a quick NFL note. Obviously, the lines are up for all the games on the weekend. We just talked Vikings with Matt Collar. Vikings are one and a half point underdogs at home and are even money to win the game straight up. But all of the NFL futures are up right now. And if you do want to make a season long wager, it's a perfect time to do it. Uh, before things go off the board when the games begin on the weekend. And if you are optimistic on the Minnesota Vikings to win the NFC North, pretty nice number being laid down. Listen, the Packers have gone 13-3 and three the last couple of years. They have owned this division. Uh, and the Packers are minus 182. Vikings plus 240 to win the division. I'll be honest, I've got a sprinkle on the Vikes. I'm very optimistic and I'm very invested in Justin Jefferson and fantasy as well. Lions 12 to 1, Bears 14 to 1. Uh, but all the divisions are up right now. Super Bowl winners, conference winners, league leaders, scoring, as well as passing and rushing props. And will your favorite team make the playoffs? It's all there. And if there's ever a time, to take us up on our introductory bonus offer. If you're making your first deposit at CoolBet, use the promo code WST and you'll get a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200 just in time for NFL season. And don't forget, follow CoolBet on Twitter. Dustin and myself having daily picks each day. If you rode with me on Bo Bichette yesterday, congratulations. We cashed it. Today's pick, Alec Manoa, over five and a half strikeouts. He's gone over the number in the last four games. We'll hopefully get to two and oh with the new daily picks over at Cool Bet from the Lock Shop Boys. All right, let's get Remus back in here. And Remo, we had a, a very interesting night at Assiniboia Downs last night. The one horse that we both had, our guy King Wit, did win, which was nice. But the story of the night, and I'm still upset about this. Wit and Whiskey, which was a long shot that I put in my triactor, came in and won a $2 bet paid $52.60 on one of the few Wit horses that I haven't bet last night. Um, uh, very big missed opportunity for yours truly. The $1 triactor wheel in race seven, which I had two of three, including Wit and Whiskey, was $1,514. That uh, that's honestly the biggest $1 track number I think I can remember all year. Crazy to think that you could have bet $1 on that uh, horse race. And if you would have picked those three and, you know, you do your $1 box, $6 total, you'd have picked the right three, you win $1,000. Uh, unheard of. Uh, meat tells you that some long shots that weren't expected to win did finish in the top three there. So I, I do have one, you know, you told me that I'm like, well, I got to start doing more triactor boxes. I don't really take shots in that. I kind of been picking straight up winners. We did have the one winner yesterday. So we were just about over even for the day. So that's good. You get to live it another day and we will be uh, making our picks uh, tonight here as we wind down has the racing season. I think you got to lead. I mean, we got to go do some tallying. Yeah, going into Monday, going into Monday, we'll have the up-to-date tally for the final few days of yeah. live racing. And as we were talking off-air last night, 
we should try and get out there one more time, uh, maybe one more uh, WST night. We'll see how things work with Monday Night Football and everything like that, but would love to get out there one more time. All right, why don't you lead off with the picks uh, for today at the track? Okay, I got some picks here, maybe different. I, you know, I usually go, as you know me, I like to pick a lot of the same horses, and I like to go with the ones that I have experience with. I didn't see a lot of those tonight. I am taking on, here, let's do, I'll show you what I have going on. Race seven, I am picking Wit America to win $5. Seems to be a big favorite, but 10 horses in race seven. Ooh. Crazy, crazy. Race four, NFL season starting. I saw this guy, Zig, named after uh, our friend Zig Fracassi. I don't know about that, but I, I, I've seen him race finish in the top before. Zig like, won the last race yeah. as a really significant underdog. I'm, so, uh, I'm on Zig, too, for sure. <laughs> I have $2 on Zig to place. And this is my big one, my Triactor box. Uh, really slow, who I have won on before. So I'm a big fan of really slow. But I'm doing really slow with Hoochie Coochie, Sam, and Gooch Express. So I've got the Cooch and the Gooch here on this one. That's a Triactor box, $1. So six, uh, that's a $6 bet. Race. Five. I'm also doing a separate bet, house on really slow to win. How could I not? Uh, with a name like that, it sounds like a winner. And my last bet, race six, I have $3 on out on Saturday because everyone's going to be out on Saturday for the Banjo Bowl. So there you go. Those are my picks. Nicely done. Nicely done. All right. I've got a couple more to make, but uh, I can tell you that. Let's just get to the transactions here. Uh, in the final race, race seven, uh, I sort of threw a couple darts here. Well, one dart along with a couple of the more favorites. Uh, we've got a triactor box with Wit America, Steely Caper, the two favorites. And we're going to throw in number 10, Zuri Rasazzi, uh, opening line 10 to 1. Hopefully we can make that happen. Uh, we're going to throw four bucks on Zig to win. Uh, and we will also throw $4 in race number three on Wits Magic. And I'll pop one more in. I've got $6 left, so we'll go with a uh, triactor box for race number six. Let's go with uh, maybe sometime. Life's been good so far. And Silver Luke Silver. So uh, we'll see how that goes tonight. Hopefully can maybe hit one after that close call last night. Uh, but as I said, I roll with the wit horses. There's a few of them in tonight. Hopefully they can get into the winner's circle. Um, great show today. And again, lots coming up over the next couple of days. Tomorrow on the program, Nick Dembski will be our guest. We'll also catch up with Weber. And we've been promising you this interview with Dave Bedini on the upcoming Summit Series documentary on CBC. Well, with the anniversary of the game in Winnipeg yesterday, 50 years ago, uh, tomorrow Dave Bedini is going to join us on the show. Really fascinating conversation about what will be must-see television for hockey fans starting next week. And uh, maybe just maybe if we can get DQ Nick to squeeze some time in, he can come in for his full burger review. Friday show, Eddie Tate, Brandon Rowicki, Hacksaw, NFL Picks. 
Oh, man, this is going to be a great, great week going forward into the Banjo Bowl. But uh, before we get to the Banjo Bowl, Reem, I cannot wait for tomorrow's NFL kickoff. And what a game. Rams and Bills getting after it at SoFi Stadium. This is a great week. I know you have a number of fantasy football drafts, gold eyes playoffs, and NFL kicking off. I am salivating at the idea of sitting down on the couch and uh, and watching NFL. I already arranged for a babysitter, so I will have some free time. <laughs> I'm I'm very 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 pumped up. I'm gonna be making my DraftKings lineups. By the way, if you want to play DraftKings against us. Uh, I'll throw the link yes. in ch- in chat. Week one, um, and we do have CFL. Uh, CFLs will be playing hockey, hockey on there too. So uh, definitely would recommend that if you're looking for some fantasy action. I'm more of a daily fantasy player than a season long player this year. I don't and just, I do like betting on uh, on props rather than uh, than teams. Uh, as we wind down, Hustle, we did get the uh, news from the Jets. Some um, off. Ice news, not related to the on-ice product, but uh, so they announced that single-game tickets going on sale on Friday, and I'll bring up the release here on their website. Uh, September 9, 10 a.m., you can you know go individual games, but this is new for this season, Huss. You're going to like this. New for 22-23 and beginning with the first preseason game, September 27. Pre-game party vibes will fill the Canada Life Center atrium, red light bar, and observation deck. Live DJs, all new Winnipeg Jets hype team will create a fun and engaging atmosphere for pre-game mingling. Highlighted by, this is for you, Huss, $6 domestic beer special from doors open and end of what? warm-up. Uh, sorry, door, from the doors opening to the end of the warm-up. So that's 15 minutes before puck drop. $6 domestic beers while you're watching the guys. Get there get early, folks. Get yeah. there early. Um, there you it know, is. Listen, I mean, they've got to do some things like this. And 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 if you went to games at the end of last year, they there were a number. They had some DJs. I think they tried out a bunch of different things around the arena. And I'm really interested to see what they'll have done with the old Moxie space, which yes. is no longer a Moxie's. I know they're going to be using that to try to get some congestion out of the. Uh, out of the concourse. Now, obviously on the sides, just the nature and the size of the building, it'll always be pretty tight. But much like in the upper deck, that observation, or in the upper bowl, that observation deck has really kind of allowed less stress in the rest of it. Hopefully that'll be the case down at Moxie's. And uh, hey, I mean, listen, the Bombers are uh, doing a great job with it. I mean, I believe it's $5 beers right up until kickoff. Lots of people there early, the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone as well as we've been telling you about and having a great time before the game's Makes a lot of sense to do this going forward. And, um, you know, for fans, especially ones that go there quite a bit, uh, it's great. And here's another thing, Rebus, and this is just simply a fact. And I know there are some people that don't drink at games. There's a lot of people that do. Uh, I will say there is a direct correlation to beer sales, to the energy in the crowd, especially <laughs> if you have a good game. So if you don't want the place to be a library, Get a few people some cheap beers to get things going and get into the game. And uh, hopefully the atmosphere can uh, be improved as to, you know, last season. But obviously there's nothing that moves the needle more than a great product on the ice. We know last year was a disappointing season. And, uh, you know, a few cheaper beers and a few wins. And, uh, you know, I think we can get back to where we need to be here in the downtown arena. Yeah, it's straight science has. It's uh, called linear graph where it goes <laughs> diagonal line. Uh Atmosphere in game, 
but on the on one axis and number of beers sold on the other axis, right? Isn't that how it would how it would <laughs> I go? <believe> so. <laughs> I, I will say I am very curious what they're gonna do with that space where the Moxies was. And I hope that I don't know if they're gonna have like a different kind of food court or a bar or what, but it'll will give people I think more room to move around. I think that's a big a big complaint among uh people who attend the games. They do are they are hyping up the October first Power Chuck statue unveiling, and I know Mike mentioned that as well. Ceremony that went 5.30 and Truno score. Everyone's invited, and then uh, they'll have something. That's also the season ticket member appreciation game where they're trying to, where they're doing some giveaways. So I know you're a season ticket member. I'll have to tell my my dad to make sure he's at that game. He's the one in charge of of their group. Yeah, that's going to be a great one. And BA asking, are they giving season season ticket holder discount on food and drink this year? Uh, Well, they did last season, and that was maybe the most significant um, benefit for the season ticket holders in in 10 years. Um, I highly doubt, considering the situation that it's in, that they would go the other way. Um, so I would assume that that will still be the case with the 25% off card for season ticket holders, in addition to what they've just announced today with the, uh, the pregame specials. Um, but don't quote me on that. We'll find out for sure as we, uh, get into the game. Obviously, I mean, right now, if you're a season ticket holder, you've just had some emails, um, and you now, I believe can activate the games in your account. Um, but for the most part, we're, uh, we'll see what happens when it comes and, uh, We'll see what happens, uh, you know, what's uh, showing up in the mail before the season. It'd be interesting if they got back to doing a nice season ticket holder package. That was one thing that, um, you know, early on in the Jets, they, uh, you know, it was neat. Even though they moved away from the hard ticket, which I hated because I've always loved tickets, um, to the card. Um, they and most most teams will, you know, send their season ticket holders a cool package with their cards in it, usually a season ticket holder gift. Um, and that's one thing that frankly had been cut, you know, over the last few years um by the Jets and True North. And um, you know, I certainly think with the the challenges that they have right now, maybe getting back to doing something like that would be a nice addition for season ticket holders. But the one thing I'll tell you is uh, that card that got you the discount on beer popcorn pop last year very popular and used quite a bit by most of the people that i know that were at most of the games so uh we'll be able to talk about this all month and you know what i know we'll be looking forward to getting a few players on the program as well but i think i'll probably try and get someone from the organization as well to come on and talk about fan fest talk about some of the things that they've just announced today and uh hopefully get some positive vibes going into the upcoming season um I'm really looking forward to to see what happens. Very intrigued as to how this team looks. And most of all, looking forward to watching some NHL hockey back downtown. Um, Great show today. Thanks again to Matthew Collar, Scott Billick, and Mike McIntyre for jumping on the show today. Don't forget tomorrow, right off the bat, first guest will be Nick Dembski, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Countdown to the Banjo Bowl continues. Uh, sold out, of course, but if you can manage to find a ticket somewhere, get your hands on it and make a plan to get out there on Saturday. We'll also have more on NFL kickoff tomorrow night with the Bills taking on the Rams. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. If you're watching on YouTube after the fact, 
Give us your thoughts on the why not question of the day. Will Garrett Marino play again in the Canadian Football League? Leave your message and any feedback on the show in the comments. We always appreciate that. Most importantly, have a great night. Good luck to anyone that's doing a draft tonight. And go fish, go. Let's get a W to kick off this series against the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. So good luck to the Gold Eyes. 6.30 first pitch, folks. Get out there if you can, and we'll break it down for you tomorrow here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.